Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is lawyer, blogger, podcaster, Mac productivity guy, and my pal, David Sparks. How's it going, David? It's good, man. So long as I'm your pal, that's all that matters. You'll always be my pal. Excellent. Excellent. I I think uh, there was a year at Macworld where I decided you were always going to be a favorite of mine. Excellent. You in those those round Coke bottle glasses. Yes. They get thicker every year. They get they get a little <laughs> thicker every year, man. So uh I, I think at that point at Macworld you were you were a lawyer working for a firm and a lot has changed since then. Yeah. What do you uh what are you up to these days? I stuck it to the man. I left. Started my own you, little practice. Show him. Yeah. So I went out on my own. Uh I I was finding that the stuff I you know, as you age, you, you change. When I first got started as a lawyer, all I wanted to do is go to trial all the time. And now that's not such a big deal to me. And I really enjoy kind of the day-to-day stuff, helping people out, keeping them out of court. And um, that, that 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 kind of practice doesn't make very much money. Firms don't like that stuff, you know. You kind of sure. nuts and bolts transactional stuff. And I said, you know, I bet if I had enough clients, I could do the stuff I really like on my own and not have to go to, you know, meetings every week. So I um, So I did it, and it worked out. You did this to avoid meetings once a week? Uh, well, multiple meetings a week. Ah, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons. <laughs> at the time, I kind of did a, you know, uh, you know, spilled my guts on on a blog post at the time. But the, uh, I want to have more time to do Max Sparky stuff. I want to have more time to write books. I wanted to uh, have a little more control over who I work with. So there's a bunch of reasons. You did this after I did this, right? It was more it, recent. Yeah. Well, I did it. It was a. It was two years ago. This month, actually, as I think about it, it, I'm coming up on my two-year anniversary here in a few days. So, yeah. Oh, I'll send you a card. All right. Thank you. I left on uh, January, I think January 1st, 2013 was my last day. Yeah. So I missed that leave anniversary. Yeah. But I left because they started doing daily stand-up meetings in addition to the conference calls. Yeah. Well, no, that was... That was a minor part of it, but I did not miss that. So, <laughs> I'm sure you did. okay, so you've got the the legal practice, yeah, and then you're also still pumping out the Max Sparky stuff. Yeah, in fact, I've added a second podcast since we last talked. So you have Mac Power Users. What's the other podcast? It's called Free Agents. Me and Jason Snell talk about being independent workers. Nice. I actually missed the presence of that. Well, now you know. Is that on relay? Uh yeah, it is. I'll have to get All you right. on at some point. Yeah, I'd 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 be uh well versed. I have a whole three years of experience in this. There you go. That's not true. I actually had four or five years before my AOL gig of freelance work, so it was less profitable back then. Yeah. Yeah. I can make a lot more money doing it now. It's just I feel like it's a thing. I think there's a whole lot of people that are tired of, you know conforming to the man and and people are getting used to hiring people that way and my uh just talking to one of my clients the other day who said you know after working with me it's it'd be very hard for him to go back to hire a big law firm because i think you can provide better services when you have these small operations but you probably feel less like you're getting screwed over too yeah i mean i yeah exactly (laughs) i mean you know you know you, you know you're paying an hourly rate but you also know that someone is dedicated to yeah you and not the bottom line. So, yeah. well, I mean, I assume you're out to make some money, but I I wouldn't get that impression working with you that I have from law firms I have consulted with. Yeah, I mean, in fact, I mean, I don't want to get all into this too much, but I I don't even do that much stuff on the hourly rate. Most of the stuff I do is is fixed fee, and the reason is I feel feel it's dumb to say if it takes me longer to do your work, I get paid more. I mean, that doesn't really make sense to me, but. Anyway. Yeah, see, I've had that philosophy, and it's always killed me in the end. Yeah, it, it does hurt it me it always takes too. three times longer than I think I it will. I'm working on that. I'm working on that, man. I always, I always double my estimate yeah. when, I'm, when I'm providing an estimate. I always double the hours I think it'll take, but I've learned that I actually need to triple it. Yeah. yeah. I need to double it and then double that. Yeah. Because I'm always wrong. Anyway, um, so 
Uh, then you've added the second podcast. Are you still writing books? Yeah, yeah, I am. Although you wouldn't be able to tell by looking at my website and seeing I haven't published one for over a year. Huh. Um, I I did several of what I call the video field guides uh, in the last year or two uh, because there's some things I do like OmniFocus is a good example. A lot of people want to get better at it, but they don't really want to read a book. They just want to really get an in depth kind of learning about it. So I I do this. It's a Currently, I think it's a three-hour screencast where it just shows you everything. Um, and uh, so I've done some of those, but the actual book books um, haven't gone out for over a year, but I've got one that uh, is cooking along, and I, I'm putting time into it every day, and I, I finally feel like I'm going to get this thing out into the world at some point. Not to slide a plug-in, but would you? We, we did a book together called 60 Mac Tips. Yes. Uh, would, you, would you include that in the video book category no um you know that's a good question brett we need to talk about that because that that may very well work this is a brainstorming on on a podcast the um uh, lately i've been doing them like i just moved the omnifocus one over to the vimeo um production platform so you can buy it there it's got closed captions you know what we need to talk about that maybe the next version of 60 tips is going to be just a video product hmm let's talk I'd, about I'd, it i'd be willing to chat yeah, because we do have a, a second edition planned. Yes, we do, and it's there. There's an outline, and things are happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, things get busy. Yeah, too busy. Don't you so, hate that when when people ask you how you doing? You're like, oh, I'm so busy. Don't you hate when you catch yourself doing that? I try never to say that. I try to always answer how you doing with awesome, even if it's not. Well, that's not honest. Well, no one said I was honest. I actually. guess the question is, it depends who it I, comes from. <laughs> if if I ask you how you're doing, I want to really know how you're doing. But some people, it's just kind of like, a, I'm going to say this until we get to the next thing I need you to do for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say awesome, but if it's someone that I know or you know have any kind of um, urge to be open with, I will usually follow that up with, nah, nah that's a lie. When I was and then a, explain why. When I was um, when I was doing a lot of music, there was a studio guy I used to play with. I used to go out in L.A. and lay down like um, saxophone solos on like rockabilly bands demo tapes. You know, this is like the '80s, and um, and everybody, you know, everybody, it's like the Honey Drippers era, and everybody wanted to have a tenor sax solo on their demo tape. So I'd go out there and for like a hundred bucks, I'd go do your solo. And I thought I was like, I had the world figured out, you know? And I met one of my um, my sax heroes, a guy from the 50s named Bud Shank, who was a, a great jazz, um, like cool cool jazz era saxophonist. And every time I say talk to him and say, hey, Bud, how's it going? He says, I'm making it. I'm making it. I think I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. But uh, so so the answer, really busy. Yeah. Do, why, why do you hate that answer? I just feel like it's a cop-out. You know, it's it's an admission of failure, you know? <laughs> I would agree with that. It is, well, because to me, people who say they're really busy, all I hear is I have poor time management skills. Yeah. 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 the is. truth is I am always busy. I'm always... There's always at least one project that I know I need to and want to work on and usually someone else is depending on me to work on it and i just can't fit it in with all of the things i've said yes to yeah i, I think when you can say you're busy you're very fortunate because that means you have things you're passionate about to do but the um but when it, it also seems to me like in society for a lot of people saying i'm busy is a point of pride i'm super right. busy super in demand everybody needs a piece of me you know i'm great and um and I don't, I don't view it that way, you know. And when I say it, and I catch myself say it, I feel bad because that means I'm probably letting somebody down somewhere. I feel like there are two different intonations to that response in the different connotations. Like if you say super busy, like that could be, yeah, things are going really well, everyone's lining up for my work. But if you like, ah, oh, super busy. That's yeah. the, uh, I'm frazzled because I can't figure out how to get everything done. And I said yes to too many projects. That's what kills me. And Things sound good, and I really want to really be a part of them. Yeah. 
And it's also but. kind of a call for sympathy or like, I don't know, it's like you want some kind of reaction from the other person. Maybe they're like, oh, man, you must be awesome. Or, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know what you're supposed to say to that. But anyway, I'm working on not saying that anymore. And uh, I've been banging on about it on the podcast on Mac Power Users about this idea of um, of 10 gallons of water in a five-gallon bucket. And Merlin Mann's the one who first gave me the idea for it when he gave a talk to the 1Password folks. And he had uh, some containers of water. And he says, you know, what are you going to do if, you know, this is how much work you have to do and that's how much time you have. And he starts pouring it in and there's clearly too much water. He's pouring it in and just starts going all over the room. You know, just starts pouring all over the floor. And everybody's getting uncomfortable. And he's like, well, this is what you got to do. What are you going to do? <laughs> and... Um, and you know to visualize it, I think of ten gallons in a five gallon bucket. But the um, but but I get all this email from people writing in because I talk about you know task management and productivity a lot, and they say, well, this is all great, but you know you got me this great tool, whatever you know, insert name of tool here, but it's not work, and it takes me an hour every day to get through all the stuff I have to do. And I have a text expander snippet I write back to people saying, well, the problem there is actually not your tool; the problem is you. You know, the problem is that you bit off more than you can chew. If it takes you that long to organize things, you need to start saying no to things. <laughs> and people hate that. Well, but, it's hard It's hard to say no. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing I got from Merlin Mann. Uh, I had heard him talk about, you know, saying no. And then I had experienced it when I asked him to be part of a project and realized it didn't make me... I actually thought more of him for saying no because yeah. I've had plenty of people say yes and that and this is not a reflection on the book we're working on. I've had plenty of people say yes and then not be able to come through on it. Yeah. And it holds up the project, it becomes like a point of frustration for them at having been in that position many times. It becomes like a a constant guilt uh, a feeling of being frazzled because you have that feeling that you know someone is depending on you. Yeah. And you, and you want to, like you, you have trouble saying, um, no, I'm not going to have time. I need to pull out of this because you really want to be a part of it. Yeah. And that is in my experience. Now you are a way stronger person. If you can just say no and admit to them and yourself upfront that you just don't have time to do what needs to be done. Yes. Agreed. But it's not easy that first time. First for the first week I started saying no, I, I felt the need to like add a lot of explanation. Like you, you need to know that this is fully justified and here's everything I'm doing. Now yeah. I can just say, sorry, no, I'm not going to have time to do that. Yeah. I, I, to me, when I first started, you know, getting in the habit of turning things down, I think a lot of it was a self image issue where, um, I was so thrilled that people would ask me to do anything that uh, my immediate response was yes to anything, <laughs> you know? Sure. And, um, and, and it took me a while to get over that and to say, okay, well, you don't have to say yes to everything dummy, or you're never going to get anything done, you know, and saying yes to everything obviously means that nothing is super important to you. Um, so, so I've got a lot better at that over the years. In fact, lately the, the thing I'm struggling with right now is I, I just have catch, uh, keeps catching myself when people say, how are you doing in my head? I'm saying I'm too busy and uh, cer certain people I've missed some deadlines on, and I'm like, I don't want to be the guy that's missing deadlines, or not necessarily deadlines, but you know, soft, you know, kind of dates to get things done. And I don't want to feel this sense of of panic underlying me every day, you know. So yeah. I've I've really the last week and a half started working on solving the problem. I'm sure some of the stuff I need to do is is cut some things into my life, but. To me, I think right now, for me, the a part of the problem is just generally time management and and looking at other options. I'm I'm getting really serious about bringing someone on to do some more of the administrative stuff in my life. Um, I get a bunch of emails from customers that have a problem with a download or something. There's no reason I need to spend time every day dealing with those. So I could pay uh, somebody to do that. That's the first hour and a half of every day for me. Yeah, exactly. So you get somebody to do that. I'm. I'm working with my accountant to have her take over more of just the financial rigmarole. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just starting to build kind of a team of people that can take stuff off. Something I've been doing that's been really helping is um, I've been using this website Toggle T O G G L 
because everybody on Relay is using it at this point. <laughs> but the um, it's just a simple login where you can go in, and every time you start doing something, you can set a timer. And I just started timing everything I'm doing. I'm running a timer right now for podcast guesting. And then at the end of the week, I look at how much time did I spend managing email? How much time did I spend managing tasks? How much time did I spend doing contract work? And blah, 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 blah. And, and I'm starting to get a much better picture of you know, where the time sinks are in my life. I thought I knew, but this data is disproving a lot of my assumptions. Yeah. Have you ever seen timing the Mac app? Yeah, it's great. It's great. Do you have the beta of timing too? No, I know he's working on it, but I don't think I, I just, I just got, he just put the, the beta out to the hockey app testers. Like I think yesterday, maybe the day before. All right. You know what? It's gorgeous. It's smarter, faster, uh, it, the automated rules to figure out what you might be working on at any given time and categorize. I mean, granted, it only does it on your Mac, but it'll also, if your Mac's been idle, when you log back in, you can have it ask you, what have you been up to? And you can like log in, you know, I was out to coffee or whatever. Yeah. For your own purposes, of course. Yeah. I All need, local data. I am, um, which is fine with me. I almost prefer that. But the... um. But what I really need is is something that can do it across iOS too, you know, as well. And I, I'm sure there's some other timing apps in the iOS. Well, I used store. to use Harvest for that. Yeah. Back when I had a business and could justify the monthly cost automatically, I built a bunch of API stuff so that I could just toggle Harvest timers from anywhere. They had yeah. a really good API. I, I assume they still do. I haven't used it for a while. Well, it's funny you say that because I'm using Harvest for my legal practice. I use it for when I log time for that. But this is yeah. something bigger where I'm just logging. From the moment I wake up to almost the time I go to bed, I'm just running timers. And uh, you know, how much time do I actually spend, you know, goofing off? How much time do I spend playing the piano, you know? And not that I'm looking to like knock things out, but I just want the data right now. Like one of the things I've learned is I spend a lot less time managing tasks in OmniFocus than I thought I was. Uh, and I spend a lot more time dealing with email nonsense than I thought I was. And I, I wasn't aware of that until I started running all these timers. Yeah. What happens to me, and sometimes my hour and a half of customer service goes over because someone will ask a, a question through my blog contact. This won't be even Mark support. It'll be a question yeah. about a script I wrote or something related to something I blogged about. And I'll have a quick answer, but then I'll want to check it. I want to test it and yeah. I'll go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. And 40 minutes later, I have a response that <laughs> I really got to learn to just start saying, I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. That's enough. That's a point of pride thing. That, for that's me. hard. That's hard. <laughs> I get the same thing. I mean, people ask me for tips or they, they have a script they want me to check for them. Or if somebody asked me to write an Apple script, I'm like, I probably could, but there's a lot of people depending on me to do other things right now. And I can't. I do, um, I do have a text expander snippet for, uh, sure, here, here are my rates. Yeah, exactly. I do, I, you know, to start off with, yeah. I just don't, I don't have time to do these things for free, but yeah. here are my rates if you want to hire me. I'm probably part of the problem of that because I always brag about you on Mac Power Users how sometimes <laughs> I'll send you a question and then like two minutes later I'll get a script. I'm probably one of the reasons why the internet thinks you're the tech support. <laughs> I, I do regularly get emails that begin with the line, hey, Brett, I first heard about you on Mac Power Users. <laughs> well, we have a thing. I don't know how many, I know you don't listen to many podcasts, but every time someone says Brett Terpster, we all say drink. So, <laughs> Yes, I've heard this. I think that thing has spread. I think you've started a drinking game. Yeah, why not? Why not? But, but anyway, yeah. so I'm trying to figure out where my time is going. I'm starting to I think part of my solution, I don't think I need to get rid of a bunch of projects so much as uh, I'm finding the cruft in my life that I don't need to do the admin stuff. I think I'm not going to become as prideful about answering every email that comes into me. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be making some decisions here over the next month or two about changing a few things and, and bringing in some help on a few points. And I think I might be able to get there where I don't feel that underlying sense of worry. I, I feel better about this problem in the last week than I have in a long time because I feel like I'm making progress on it now. So what what was the step that made you be willing to start delegating? Um, just the realization of the stuff I was... The fact is delegating is better than me being late, right? 
And it is, but it's way harder. Yeah, it is. but it, And it depends on what I delegate. Like, for instance, I mean, there's so many things in my life. I do these videos and books. I'm Nobody else is writing that stuff but me. Nobody else is producing the videos but me. Uh, the, the legal work I do for my clients, when people hire me, they know that I'm doing the work. You know, uh, one of the options a friend of mine said is, why don't you hire a young attorney to do some of this overflow and, you know, keep up the backlog for you? And I'm like, no, because when someone hires me, they know what I'm doing, not a one-year attorney, but a 24-year attorney, you know? So um, so that's not on the table. But then all of a sudden, looking at the other stuff that is on the table, um, I realize that I can get over it and get someone to help me. I'm, I may be looking at, um, I know it sounds goofy, but my daughter, who's in college, is lives, lives with us, um, and she's got some time, you know? The job she has has some um, weird stuff going on. I'm like, well, why don't you come work for me and just as a little test, I've been trying to get closed captioning in the OmniFocus field guide for like two months. You know, I've got the files done now, I've got, but there was, there was a, there was a project, like a couple hour project to get the closed captioning attached properly, to get the, the stuff done right on Vimeo. And it was just two hours, but every day that was on my list and every day I didn't have time for it. So I gave it to her and she had it done in like an hour and a half. And I got thinking, you know what, that was pretty nice. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm going to bring her and I'm going to look at maybe some of these remote remote help stuff. I don't know. I, I'm a, like I said, right now, just getting data about where I'm spending time is super helpful. That is um, family members <laughs> who also profit from my profit. I have found easier to delegate to uh, mostly because I don't have to pay them for the training time directly. Yeah. That's the hardest part for me with delegation is there are things I know that I don't need to do. Uh, there are text expander snippets that could, you know, solve the problem for me. That's in most cases they do, but someone else could be doing that. Yeah. But the training time, because for the first you know month or two that someone is helping you with something, you, they constantly have to come to you with questions that you end up spending as much time yeah. answering them. And in that has often deterred me. Um, I used to, I used to work for agile bits, yeah. uh, one password. And as part of the job, everybody at the company works customer support. And like, you have to jump into the forums and you have to answer questions and what, and I think that's great. I mean, it's like kind of a Zappos strategy. Uh, you have to start working in like shipping before you can move up. Yeah. Um, but I found myself, I, there were every question that I thought I could tackle. I had to go ask for help from someone else. And it got to the point where it just, it felt to me like someone else could just be doing this and they'd be spending the same amount of time instead of spending two people's time. Yeah. And that I still view that as a shortcoming on my part, but, um, and and for the record, Agile Bits is an amazing place to work. I love everything they do. Um, and the yeah, it's all remote workers. So <laughs> I suppose the downside of that would be you can't just walk over to someone's desk and say, hey, how do I answer this question? Yeah, I, I agree. But, and the stuff I'm going to be trying to do is going to be very narrow in scope. But like, for instance, with this Vimeo uh, closed captioning thing, the way I did it was um, she sat down next to me at my computer. I started ScreenFlow and just ran a ScreenFlow of the whole screen, and I did one because there's a bunch of settings to do the – it's not it's not trivial. You know, you've got to go through. And then I was cleaning up the naming and doing – it's resetting the um, resetting the uh, poster image for each video, and there was 40-some of these videos. So there's a whole bunch of work to do. But um, – I just ran a screen flow and we did one together. I said, you got that? And she said, yeah. And I saved the video to the desk and said, if you have any questions, just go back and watch the video again. And she got it all right. So that was, that was very promising for me. And I think that would even work with a remote worker where you could just email oh, them sure. a video and say, this is what you need to do. These are the steps you need to take. Or just use a screen sharing app and have them record their own. Yeah. Except, yeah, you that's know, kind of that's, brilliant. That's assuming actually. that they have the capability and the understanding of how to do that. Okay, so you record on your side and send it to them. Yeah. It's it's still, yeah, I think that's kind of brilliant because I always say to people I'm training, um, all right, don't worry too much. I'll make you a video to explain this, and I'll, I'll, I'll shoot it to you for reference, and then I never do. Yeah. 
Well, that's the, <laughs> the other thing I'm going to do is like another thing on my list I realize I spend about an hour and a half because I put a newsletter out at Max Sparky every month. And I, I not I had, the time I spend writing it is me. I'm going to write it. Nobody else is going to write it. But after it's written, the time you spend getting the text into MailChimp and getting the thing formatted and getting the images in and getting, you know checking this box and that box, I realize it takes about an hour and a half. It's another thing where I could just screen flow that and um, and say, okay, here it is. Make my uh, newsletter once I have the text ready. And so, they could just play it off on the side while they actually do it until they have it nailed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm starting to think, if I could capture 12 hours a week that way, if I start looking at the things I'm doing, um, that would be about right for me. You get a whole extra work day and a half there. Yeah, exactly. And so, so I'm working on that. I'm kind of excited about it. I hope it works out. But you know, like everything in my life, I I kind of you know I it ebbs and flows. I, I kind of get it worked out, then I slide into decline, and then I catch myself and fix it again. So prior to beginning to delegate, did you find that over two years as a freelancer, your workday changed in length? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just always working. But you know what that that was always well sure that was but, always I mean, the do, case before too. You know, yeah, the firm. Do, do, when when I first started, when I left my job last and and started this round of freelancing, I found myself working not just all day but sometimes all night, and over time that became, um, I would say I had to set myself hard limits. I had to have like a nine to five job in whatever you know time frame that worked for me but i had to have a start and a stop time and i actually work fewer hours now but i feel like i am as as productive if not more productive yeah i i feel like i'm i've always been pretty um pretty productive and i've always spent a lot of time working but, but you know all this stuff is stuff I love. The people I represent, I really like them. I represent a lot of creative people and helping them get through their troubles is to me, very satisfying. And the stuff I make for Max Barkey is very fun. So uh, work is fun for me to a certain extent on both sides of the equation, both sides of my careers. Um, the The nice thing about working for myself is I work from home most days and my wife and I get to spend more time together. We go to the gym together. Like, you know, somebody said the other day, like, look at that cute couple. I'm thinking, at what point did I become a cute couple? It makes me sound old. But the, um, <laughs> but you know, we like, we'll take a walk together. We'll go to the gym together. And, you know, and the kids, I'm home when the kids are around. And I, I just feel like the whole thing works so good now. I uh, I had like a dream a few weeks ago that I was at the old firm. For some reason, I had ended up back there. And it's, you know, it's stupid dreams. They don't even make sense. And I, I remember waking up in like a cold sweat, <laughs> you know. And yeah. I, it just took me a minute to stop. Oh, okay, you're you're good still. It's okay, Dave. <laughs> Go back to sleep. But it just it reminded me, you know. Um, I think I was under a lot more tension and stress uh, when I was working for somebody else, and now I don't feel that, and that is pretty great. I just realized that you having your daughter help you with subtitling is the equivalent of a dad having his kid mow the lawn. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Who mowed your lawn? Uh, I don't have a lawn. Last year, I decided oh. that that California's never going to get out of the drought, so I um <laughs> I took all my grass out and I put in rocks and and rubber mulch. And so I've that, always wanted to do that. It was my gym membership for about six months. I'd get up every day <laughs> at like seven, spend an hour, and uh, it came out really great. I'm really happy with it. So what we're saying then is that I should have a child. To help me with the delegation issue. Yeah, you'll just have tons of extra time if you get a child and just just take care of them for ten or fifteen years. And then they can the, they save you an hour a week. You should totally do that. I think <laughs> the vasectomy problems. Maybe two. I think the vasectomy might get in the way, but I could buy one, right? <laughs> yeah, a child, not a vasectomy. I already yeah. paid for that. Yeah. Well, this is going to seem very apropos. But I'm going to take a sponsor break to talk about Text Expander. Now it seems like a conflict of interest, but it's not. I only take sponsors that make things that I really love. And so I'm going to talk about Text Expander. Every previous mention of Text Expander on this episode was unpaid. 
We agree on that, right? Absolutely. This this feels ethical to you? Yeah, I think we've we've satisfied the FDC guidelines. For the record, it feels ethically to it feels ethical to me, and I am a stickler for blogger ethics. So, uh, this week's episode is sponsored by Smile and Text Expander for Teams. Text Expander for Teams is a productivity multiplier, a shared knowledge base from which your team communicates quickly and accurately. So if you use Text Expander yourself, you know that you can have all of your common email replies, all of your most typed stuff, just a couple of keystrokes away. So imagine all of your team's replies and, and typed words having the same efficiency and consistent across a company. Imagine they're immediately accessible, searchable, and all uh, using simple abbreviations and keyboard shortcuts that everyone can remember because everyone uses them. Imagine they're available on the platforms your team is on, Mac, iOS, and very recently, full support for Windows. And in short, that's Text Expander. Alone, Text Expander is a little tool which saves you typing. Um, but together with your team, Text Expander is a platform for increasing productivity. You can visit textexpander.com systematic to start your free trial and learn how companies such as WordPress and Desk multiply their productivity using Text Expander. I feel like we don't have to have a long conversation about it after the after the read because text expanders come up at least four times already. I would add though they just um they went to Windows now. The Windows thing is released. I said that. I it, yes, the Did the you? official the I, official I release of Windows really was sorry. last week. It's okay. I zone out during sponsorees sometimes too. I did I did their screencast for their Windows version. I had to install Windows on my Mac. It felt like, you know, putting my dad in a dress. Came out oh, okay. You couldn't pay me enough to do that. Yeah. I will I will gladly talk endlessly about products I really love, but installing Windows is a bridge too far. <laughs> I wouldn't try I, I wouldn't try the Surface Studio. And um That I have warm feelings about. I would like to try that. It, it's interesting. I'm not sure how useful it would be to me, but um in general the, the underlying problem I feel like it's underpowered. And it's still Windows. <laughs> I guess I should stop baiting people. <laughs> There's probably a whole conversation here about the iPad, but there could we be might skip that for now. It could get really, really nerdy. Yeah, we should have you on overtired to talk about the the iPad. It sometimes it does make me overtired. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we stopped having guests on overtired, Christina and I. Um, a couple bad experiences. Bad, bad guest choices. Yeah. Plus, we, she and I never run out of things to talk about. I imagine. <laughs> She's awesome. For anyone listening, Overtired will be back this week. Uh, in fact, it's probably out the same day that I release this episode of Systematic. So, that brings us to the top three picks. Okay. I've got some good ones. All right. So, we'll go round robin one at a time. What's your first pick? Uh, kind of kind of relevant to the Microsoft Surface Studio, I bought an Elevation Lab um, studio stand for my iPad. Are you familiar with this thing? No. I, you know, there's all sorts of iPad stands, and um, this one is a just a little bit smaller than the size of an iPad Pro, the big iPad Pro, and it's solid. It's like aluminum and just solid. It has three different positions, and... You can lay your iPad on it, and it tilts it, you know, I think what I'd say about 10 degrees. So it's just a nice kind of desktop stand for your iPad. And with the pencil, I'm, I've been keeping it next to my keyboard in front of my iMac during the day. And certain things are easier with iOS. So I, I very fluidly go over to iOS to do some things with the pencil and the iPad um, off this elevation stand. And it's just like rock solid. Um, so uh, I just looked it up. And there's an elevation dock for iPhone and a draft table for the iPad Pro. Yeah, draft table. There... I'm sorry. Okay. I, I misspoke. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That does look. I like lower profile iPad stands. Yeah. Anything that makes it stand vertically, like straight up and down, I find useless because that's not how I use it. Even as a display, I find that pretty useless. Well, I keep it just on my, on my desktop, just to the right of my Magic Trackpad. Mm -hmm. 
and it comes with a nice handy little pencil stand. So you just stick your pencil in it and you're good. And uh, I'm finding myself using it quite a bit throughout the day. I've had this thing uh, two or three weeks now, and I think it's a permanent fixture. I'll I'll write it up at some point as a um, as a uh, as a review at Max Sparky, but it's it's really kind of nice. There's another one I was using. I'll have to look up the name. Uh, a super nice guy. He is kind of a, a smaller company built one, but it was much larger, and that didn't fit on my desk. You know, it was built to actually hold two iPads if you wanted. And this, uh, this one is is nice because the size is just right. Yeah, I I had a a guy who basically kickstarted his an iPad stand that was that like ten degree angle. This is prior to the iPad Pro, but I used that one at my desk. I will say I used the Griffin their kitchen stand, yeah, in the kitchen, yeah, and it is it is perfect for uh, like using paprika in the kitchen. Uh, it has its own little like thick stylus that you can use when your hands are covered in flour and eggs and um but I should my I asked my brother to make me an iPhone stand for my desk and it is at at most I think maybe nine eight nine degree slope yeah. and I put uh nano suction tape on the bottom of it yeah and it's just a wooden it sits on my keyboard tray. And it has a, a channel underneath to run a charging cable through and then room to plug it in yeah. at the base of it. Very simple. I feel like everyone should have one of these. I should sell them. I should put them on my Nerd Usefully Etsy site, but mass production has always been a problem for me. We um When the first year the iPad came out, and I at this point, I don't know how long ago. I'm going to say five years, maybe more. I don't know how old the iPad is at this point, but the... um. Uh, I, I spoke at Macworld that year, and in the speaker bag, they had this thing called the stump, and it's a, it's like a round piece of rubber with a weight in the bottom and a slot that you can drop an iPad in, and kind of a clever little cut so you can set it at two different angles. Yeah. And I love that thing, and I use it all the time. I love it so much that like when they went on sale a few years ago, I bought like six of them. And we have one, you know, I have one in the bathroom. So if I'm like brushing my teeth and I want to watch something or um, I've got one downstairs by the kitchen and we just got these things kind of distributed throughout the house and they're great for watching, like, like eating your sandwich at the, at the table and just stick your iPad in there to watch Netflix. Uh, it's perfect for that. Is but, it but, the one that looks like a foot? Does it go on the side? Oh no, I just found it. Yeah, it's not... I have one that actually it's it's a long an oblong piece of plastic with an angled slot in it, and you can attach it to the side of an iPad or an iPhone, and it'll yeah, just yeah. give it a foot to stand on. Yeah. And that one, like on airplanes for watching movies, is awesome. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Although the beanbag ones, if you're gonna put an i iPhone Plus like a six or seven plus on a, a coach class airport airplane tray. Those beanbag stands. Have you seen these? No. They're they are literally they're beanbags with like a base sewn into them so they can you can rest your iPhone in the base and then adjust the angle just by like shifting the beans. Good idea. And they make they're good shock absorbers too. Yeah. So you can use them on the dashboard of a car or on a plane. I'll find a link to something like that. But alright, so the what's it called again? The Draft table. Draft table. All right. From Elevation Labs. Like it. I'm taking a quick note so I don't forget. All right. All right. Well, my first pick is actually uh, something I got for the kitchen. It's the Lansky Quad Sharp. Uh, it's a multi-angle knife sharpener. It's a little hand handheld knife sharpener. It's kind of tiny, actually, size of a pocket knife. And it has uh, carbide and ceramic uh, stones at different angles that you can just quickly slide a knife through, sharpen both sides of it, and it works amazingly well. I have some really good kitchen knives, and I have some crappy kitchen knives, and this thing has put, in three strokes, uh, uh, such a fine edge on all of them. And it, it accounts, you can do everything from tiny little fillet knives to hunting knives. It has different angles for each. 
then it has a sharpening stone at the end of it so you can do more traditional knife sharpening and it has been just fantastic i hate dull knives well we can't have that i when i was doing a lot of woodworking i had some really serious japanese water stone stuff going on for sharpening my blades we could, we could we should do a whole hour on sharpening i could do it i could learn a lot like i learned how to sharpen a like hunting knife when i was in boy scouts yeah. and i was pretty good with a whetstone but other than that i really know especially with kitchen knives i am always afraid that i'm actually ruining the kitchen knife more than i'm sharpening yeah. it yeah I, I i almost feel like kitchen knives i'll just take in and pay somebody to sharpen that, that you, people do that oh yeah not in my town, they don't. Where, where we live, there's a, what's it? It's a fancy pants cooking place, and one, like twice a year, the sharpening guy comes through. It's like 10 bucks, wow. and he'll sharpen your blades. We, I would totally do that. The, um, uh, but, but yeah, the Japanese whetstones, like, it, like for woodworking tools and like, like for serious sharpening, you get, you get a, you get a sharp blade with that stuff. Yeah, super sharp. So, anyway, that's another, another day, Brett. I'm I'm adding a note to look up a link to Japanese whetstones. It's cool because to flatten them, you rub them together. I guess that. What are they made of? It's a stone product, but I mean they they have um they have uh, the natural stone, which are super expensive. Mine were all the ones I use are um are synthetic, but they're they match the the properties. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, we will we'll, we will talk more about that on or offline. Yeah. Um, so, what's your second pick? Um, the uh, you know I uh, I love Star Wars so much. It's um, I I can't I don't know why I was like eight years old when the f- first one came out and I just I bonded to that whole mythology and everything. So and as I get older, you get weirder, right? So I'm getting more into it as I get older. Now that you know the the now that the prequels are in the rearview mirror, it's a lot easier for me to embrace it more. So um, I got a uh, had my birthday. My kids gave me a cool little R two D two thing that sits on my desk from Sideshow Toys, um, and I I'm just looking at it right now, and I, I have warm fuzzy feelings in my heart. Is this a new product? Uh, no, they've got two or three different ones. Uh, Sideshow Toys. If you ever are like a geek and you want to just like blow money, go to sideshowtoys.com. And because it's not like the $15 R2D2, it's like the $150 R2D2, you know, and, uh, it looks super great on your desk. Nice. Um, I was kind of fascinated with those BB-8 actual, like, I guess life size. Oh yeah. Um, the toys, I think they had them at Radio Shack. It's like the only product Radio Shack had for a while. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know they had one. Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty fun. I know people who, who've gotten... I think it was a top pick of one of my guests uh, one week was uh, the BB-8. Well, they have the little toy. Sphero one, which is like just a few inches tall. I didn't know they had yeah. a life-size one. That's That's my interpretation. I haven't actually had one. If I had a, a life-size BB that could just follow me around and beep at me once in a while, I would totally own that. Sure. Who wouldn't? Yeah. So did be you like enjoy my, the... Be like my puppy, you know, just keep me keep me happy. Did you like Rogue One? Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, it was very different, which was kind of cool. It was kind of Star Wars for adults in a lot of ways. <laughs> like when, when we get... Can we talk about spoilers? I don't... I guess at this point it's been out long enough. Yeah, I think I think we're past the statute of limitations on that. Uh, early when early in the movie, our hero kills a guy who's basically one of his informants just because he doesn't have any other choice. I'm like, wow, that's that's different for Star Wars, and um, I liked it. <laughs> I I am I, um, I have some friends that liked it more than the Force Awakens. I don't. I think Force Awakens is kind of more my speed. It's more true Star Wars. Well, it had a way higher budget. Yeah. But Rogue One is it was a pretty great movie, and I I really enjoyed it, and I was totally invested. But you know, you're preaching to the choir when it comes to Star Wars. Oh, I don't know. I I am not the rabid fan that others are. Yeah, others in my circle are. I I am a fan, uh, but I look at them I think a little more critically. Yeah, I guess I don't mean to cause controversy, but I think I'm a Trekkie. 
That's if cool. I had to, if I had to pick a side, yeah. But really, I I don't believe in sides. Like they're both fun sci-fi. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I one like is that. really. I mean, Star Wars is almost not sci-fi. It's almost more fantasy when you think about. I it. I would agree. It's almost more western. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that's one of my. Th- there's a big rumor going around that they're going to do a um, Obi Wan movie you know they're doing these standalones now in addition to the you know chapter movies i guess you'd call it well and that's what rogue one was yeah exactly and so one of the rumors is uh you know ewan mcgregor now is the right age you know what was he doing in between episode three and episode four and and i feel like the the greatest movie they could make about obi-wan would be like a a western like Someplace on t- the Tatooine desert, the stranger comes into town. There's, you know, like go completely John Wayne with it. You know, there's a rich guy who's, you know, dominating the community, and this guy comes into town and you know solves everybody's <laughs> problems. I, I think that would be a great movie. Yes. Did you see the Magnificent Seven? Not yet, but it's on my list. I am really enjoying the the tributes to spaghetti westerns, which I do consider Star Wars to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I mean, it's, All right. it's like a samurai movie. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there. It truly is. And it really goes back to, you know, uh, Shakespearean plot lines. and Yeah. Joseph Campbell, which, the whole thing. Which you could view as a, a cheap directorial choice or as a masterful uh, plot telling device. Anyway, um, my second pick. It's the do you, Studio Neats Glyph. I haven't got mine yet. Have you got the new one? I don't, but the new one is my pick because uh, years ago I picked um, the the what was the current Glyph at the time yeah. that I was enamored with. I, I've had two since then. Um, basically, it's a, a tripod mount for your phone. It, it, it'll grip your phone from two sides and then give you a tripod mount that you can attach to anything from a miniature like little gorilla tripod or a full-size photo tripod and now that the camera in the 7 plus is as good as it is it's actually deserving of a good tripod and uh the glyph the new one that's coming out has a quick release lever which is great um you can make it so that it holds your phone very securely but still pops off when you're done with it uh, the the pre- previous versions were more like snap-on. Yeah. So this one grips, and it has two additional... It has three total tripod threaded holes. Um, so you can mount it in any direction, including landscape. And then it has room for you to attach things like a microphone or a light to the tripod. So you can use more expensive video and photo equipment with your iPhone and the design looks like their best yet. I have pre-ordered. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I, I, I did the same thing. I was immediately in, and I've used competing tripod mounts for the iPhone. I was just telling somebody about this recently. I said, don't even like try that other stuff on Amazon. That's half the price. And like one tenth is good. Just, just buy the glyph and you know, your phone is in a solid, you know, unit and the new one is going to be even more solid. So I completely agree with that sentiment. I have tried, I think, three or four different brands at this point. Uh, mostly out of curiosity, a couple out of necessity. Like, I needed a glyph-style thing for an iPad mini. And at the time, I don't even know if they do now, but at the time, they didn't have anything that would work. Um, so I got, like, um, I don't remember the brand name. I had a I had a mount from them as it was, like, swag at Macworld. But then I bought their iPad mini one. It works okay. But the Glyph is easiest for sure. Fits in your pocket. Always ready. Yeah. I I have um, just given up on other cameras. Now I just use the iPhone. Me too. And I am... I, I do, I will admit though, I did buy one of those um, DXO1s, which is, is almost like a, a separate camera. But the um, but I can go to Disneyland, as I do often, uh, with my iPhone in my pocket, along with a Glyph and a mini tripod in my jeans pockets. Yeah. And I can take some amazing shots. And there's yeah. no camera bag and no, you know, no other gear to carry. Do you have a 7 Plus? Yes. Yeah. I have... I honestly, I, I gave away 
my Sony Alpha pretty soon after I got the 7 Plus just because I don't need it. Like, there was no time where I was like, mm, I need a picture of this, but my iPhone will do. I wish I had my Sony Alpha. Yeah. I just, I that hasn't happened. The, fo- the photos have been amazing. Do, do, I learned this trick at the last Mac stock where if you shoot video in 4K, like you turn on 4K video, and then while you're shooting, you get that little white button that you can capture stills. Yeah. You can actually capture stills at 4K. And on the iPhone 7 Plus, the resolution on that is insane. Granted, you don't get a lot of the like autofocus or, or yeah. portrait mode or anything like that. But if you need huge images of something that you want to blow up really big later or you know like take 1 inch of it and make it huge and printable that it is a it's an amazing trick. Well, the other thing about the iPhone, if you have a iPhone that is a 6 or earlier, this started with a 6S but they even improved on it further with a 7. The stability of the video while you're just walking down the street shooting video is it's like uh it's like dark magic. I don't know how they pulled that off, but it it's almost like the damn things in a um steady cam. Yeah. Yeah. I've been I've been convinced that cameras are dead now. Except for like high end professionals. Well, but the I mean, there's always person... gonna be the folks that want their ten thousand dollar, you know, whatever. But it's getting really hard. I mean that line is getting further and further down the road for people. Absolutely. And and I think the uh the dual camera on the iPhone seven plus, now that you're not just working with a single fixed lens. Yeah. And you actually have more depth of field and focus options it's it's gonna happen we just have to figure out how to make a truly like something where you can really control f-stop and focal length on a fixed lens yeah once that happens in something that fits in an iphone or any phone maybe samsung will beat them to it <laughs> yeah uh, you never know yeah. i mean i think everybody's trying to innovate on this stuff and You've got that whole back of that that phone. And if you look at phones in general, I mean, what's in there now? The the actual processor, the actual motherboard inside a phone is relatively small. And then they pour a bunch of battery in. But uh, I can see a future where there's more than two lenses. You know, I could see them kind of going a little crazy with it. And, and the more data you can throw at that processor, the better pictures you're going to get out of it. So who knows? Do you remember when phones seemed like they were always going to get smaller? Yeah. <laughs> Back when the uh, the Motorola Razr came out and it was so small and thin and it started to seem like pretty soon we were just going to be making like phone calls with our fingers. Yeah. <laughs> or in a or our watches. Yeah. I suppose that's happened, but you still have to carry a big phone with you. I, when, I, um, when I was in, I think it was early college, the cell phones were first starting to go, and I had a job for a while at Radio Shack of all places, and the um, and we used to sell these phones. It was like an old school lunch pail, and then it had a cord on it and a handset, <laughs> and people, you know, can you can you picture that in your mind, just walking down carrying your lunch pail with your phone attached to it, and you're like, hey, I'm making a cell phone call, and they were like Seems five dollars uh... a minute or something. Yeah, like uh, Get Smart kind of. Yeah. Maybe James Bond. Yeah. At the time, anyway. Yeah. Oh, and Zach Morris. Do you remember those phones? Yeah. The Saved by the Bell phones? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So, anyway, uh, where am I? I got oh, number yeah. three. Number three for you. The um, Last year, I bought a bike. And uh, this just isn't any ordinary bike. Um it has a motor in it. Yeah, because it's a Harley, right? No, no, no. It's a Pedego is the name of the manufacturer, but it, it looks like it looks like a bicycle. You know, I mean, it pedals. It's got gears, and uh, I just realized that where I live, most of the stuff I do is within like five miles of my house. You know, market, Starbucks, you know, doctor, you know, Home Depot, hardware store, you know, gym. All the places I go regularly are basically. Within five miles, I'm like, I could just start bicycling. But the problem is where I live, uh, I live kind of in the foothills. And the hills are super steep. So 
if you went and filled up a bike with groceries, you'd have to walk the bike home. It's just too steep, you know. And um, so I wanted a little help, so I bought one of these bikes that has a little motor in it. So when I come back up the hill, it's it, they call it pedal assist, you know. So um, you can go at 20, 40, 60, 80, or 100 percent assist. I usually do it at 20, and that's fine. But when you pedal, the motor gives you a little bit of a boost. And um, man, I really like it. I've had it a while now, but I was just I was just riding it this morning back up the hill thinking about you. I'm like, I gotta tell Brett about this bike. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at it. Uh, when I was a kid, I uh, I had a bicycle that had it was like a a motor, but the motor was it was battery powered and it was charged by the motion of the wheel. Yeah, yeah. So to charge it up, you would just drop it like it had a lever. Yeah. And then a wheel that spun counter to your wheel. I had a buddy that had one of those. Yeah. And then once it was charged, you could flip it on and it would propel you for, you know, a mile or two. Yeah. This looks like a way more elegant version of that. Yeah. And the motors are way better now. And I mean, I mean, it is really steep where I live. I mean, it's so steep that bicyclists come here, like the serious guys that wear all the spandex and have the super fancy bikes that are, you know, ultra light. Oh, you mean bicyclists? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like the the guys who are not messing around, you know. The uh, sure, yeah. And so I've got a um, so my bike looks like it looks like um, you know, um, <laughs> it's a it's a, it, it looks like a, I don't know a grandma bike maybe or a breakfast at Tiffany's bike, you know. <laughs> you know, you just kind of ride. You sit high on it. It has a bell and it has panniers on the back where I stick my groceries. You know, so I'm going up the hill with these guys. And sometimes just because I'm a jerk, sometimes I, I just really gun the, the electric motor and I pass them. <laughs> oh, I just ring the I bell do that. on I do your that left. My, I do that in my stick shift TT, but um, <laughs> I think it's less obnoxious when you do it on an electric bike. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know, though. I'm looking at the one that's on the electric bike homepage, and it looks kind of like a hipster bike. Mine's called the City Commuter. I don't know which one you're looking at, but I I'm gonna look this up real quick so we can compare city commuter. Do they have gears? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got gears for pedaling, but when right, with the, yeah. with the motor, it's it's just you know it's you can have it's got a throttle if you want on your right grip like a motorcycle you can twist and set the throttle sure. but, but i only use it really pedal assist and I, I just when i'm going up the hill i turn the motor on i mean i don't really need to charge the battery that often because i don't i probably ride about 20 miles a week on it and um i uh I, yeah i just don't use it i don't use it that much like when i'm on flat or going down i don't use the electric at all but just coming up that hill it, it makes all the difference so most people don't realize this but the area of Minnesota that I live in is uh, what they call unglaciated. I think I've talked about this before, but past it's it's areas of the continent that were never uh, crushed down by glacier passage. Okay. And I live in uh, valleys and bluffs, and you can never see more than a mile from the at normal sea level because there are huge bluffs everywhere. Yeah, I always um, like it when you post a picture like in your porch or something. It looks really pretty. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It's amazing. But if you want a bike uh, and you don't live downtown here, you are facing some serious challenges. In fact, my my most recent house was at the top of one of the steepest climbs, the one that people come from around the Midwest to train on. Uh, there were, um, I can't remember which biker but one of the uh uh major uh racers would come here to to train on our hill and uh also connected some of the best mountain biking in like a four state area yeah um but uh but yeah the the roads are not conducive to uh just commuting for professional bicyclists cyclists I'm sure they are a fun challenge, but if you want to make a habit of going to the farmer's market on your bike, you need to live downtown. Yeah, see, and that's the problem I have where I am too. And the you know people give me uh, 
grief about it. They're like, ah, you're not real doing real biking. But the fact is, my heart rate does get elevated, and I do have fun, and I don't have to take a car for you know about 20 miles a week. So that's pretty cool. I just noticed the price tag on this. Yeah, oh, and expensive. by the way, your bike doesn't look like a hipster bike. It does look like, um, I wouldn't say grandma bike. I would say, I, I think I think it's age appropriate for you. Yeah. I sit high yeah. on it, you know. I, I don't know. It's just it's just so funny because everybody, anybody that bikes around where I live is either like super mountain biker or road biker. And then there's me with my, you know, my soup on the back. <laughs> the to box. be fair... To be fair, a Harley would be age appropriate for you, and you made the choice to get an electric bicycle instead. So, I, I mean, yeah, you're in California, but yeah, <laughs> I think it's admirable. I, nonetheless. I, I go to meetings. I go to my office and pick up my mail in it. I'm, I mean, <laughs> well, hey, and with the pedal assist, you don't have to show up for meetings super sweaty. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's brilliant. All right, my last pick then. Um, so I am taking top pick suggestions in the uh, sy- systematic Slack room, which if anyone has wanted to get in, uh, you can sign up at signup.systemcast.net. Um, and this week's comes from, actually it's the second one from this user, but L. Newman, a friend of mine, um, has recommended the Sateki, you you know the is it Sateki or Satechi? Is it is it the remote? No, this okay. is actually the ReadMate LED desktop magnifier, and I I have several Satechi prod, products on my desk. I like them almost as much as I like Anchor at this point, um, but this is uh for very small print, and my eyes are good enough right now. I don't need it to read a book. But for like, um, you know, dictionaries that are super, super tiny and require like they make them specifically, you have to buy a magnifying glass to read these intense etymologies of words. They are they're amazing. I've had a chance to use this one and uh, with a light LED um, illumination in it and a very clear magnifying glass and a nice metal body that slides easily across the page it is um i would say if if this is something you need it is awesome i'm sure there are more expensive versions but this one's great i'm looking at it okay so a couple years ago restoration hardware had this exact thing in you know how they have the christmas stuff they sell they have a little like I don't even know what restoration hardware it's, it's a, is. It's a it's a um, it's a it's a froofy uh, retail store out here in California. I don't know where where else they are, but they have every Christmas they have like like gifts you can give people, and they had one of these that was branded with their name on it. I, actually, I don't think it's branded at all. It was just didn't say anything on it, but but it was about the same. It was about twenty five bucks, and I bought one because I am at the age where sometimes like when I have to read the numbers off the back of an iPhone for setting up a developer thing. I cannot read them. There's just it's not possible, which is really sad the first time you realize that that my my it, eyes it, can cannot read this. That sucks because when those situations occur, I usually snap a picture with my iPhone I know, and blow it that's up. The problem, but if it's on the iPhone, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's like trying to bite your own teeth. It just doesn't work. The um, so I got one of these and I liked it so much. I went back and bought like four of them and gave it to every old person in my life. <laughs> and, for Christmas that year and every single one of them still comes every time I see like my mother-in-law gave one to her she was just over the other day she's like I she's just telling me how she still uses it every day you know and she loves it and I'm glad that there's a source for them because I this was like a one one off thing at the store I didn't know if I'd ever be able to find another one if I needed another one well there you go yeah I'll find it for you all right so I, I would I would repeat that invitation. If people have top picks they want to mention, feel free to join the Slack room at signup.systemcast.net and, uh, and jump in and offer all the, all the uh, top picks you want. I promise I'll give you full credit. I have a couple more coming up. I'm I'm probably going to do one uh, listener pick and two of my own for a while until I completely run out of picks. After you do three picks a week for 
a few years, <laughs> it gets a little harder. Yeah, I bet. I bet. But not that much harder. I've kept up. I just signed so, up. I'm in. I'm in your group now. Excellent. Because I needed... Welcome to the show. With 10 gallons of water and a five-gallon bucket, I totally needed another Slack channel in my life. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I think we've I gone like, full circle. <laughs> I think these uh, these these Slack rooms for every everything in the world eventually all die because everyone is just in too many rooms at once. Yeah. Yeah. I find that I find that a problem for me. I'm actually thinking about setting up a Slack channel for my law practice because I represent so many developers and tech people. Um, that's the way they want to communicate. So I've been seriously considering like just paying and having separate channels for each client. And um, I could see that being really useful. Yeah, yeah. that's on my list the, of things. Once Slack some... basically brought IRC to everybody. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, let's talk about where you can be found. You've got uh, maxsparky.com yeah, that's on the, Twitter. Yeah, that's Go me. ahead, sorry. Yeah, maxsparky.com, you can find everything there, basically the books, the podcasts, and everything if you go to Max Sparky. But on Twitter, and then, go ahead. I'll, I, okay, do you want to just do it? I'll let you just do it. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'm also on care. Twitter as Max Sparky. Uh, and then you've got Mac Power Users and Free Agents on Relay. Yep. Anywhere else you want to be found? That's it, man. If you can't find me at those four places, you're just not looking that hard. And uh, and people should go check out 60tips.com, too, where the book that David and I did uh, will be updated soon. But you can still get the first edition, although it's a couple years old now. How old is that? Uh, I think it's about three years old, but most of those tips are still good. Most of them are. We're going to update them. I think uh, our plan was to put out an update to that book as well as the new edition. Yeah. We'll see how time works out. So it's going to (laughs) happen. But we've also said publicly that both of us are currently um, saying no to things. So that could change. I don't think this one's changing. We're going to make this happen. Excellent. All right, and I am uh, TT Scoff on Twitter and everywhere else. You can find me at brettterfstra.com, and you can find Systematic at Systemcast, S-Y-S-T-M-C-A-S-T on Twitter. And I, I, I also have to, I have to do a plug because Teespring, uh, where I sell my T-shirts through, recently added recurring campaigns, so basically all of my best shirts can now be purchased anytime and I don't have to like do huge drives to get them sold. Um, so if you go to teespring.com slash stores slash lab, L a B you can, uh, you can see the latest and greatest. And there's one there y- you would like David. Um, my latest one is a, uh, a tribute to Markdown. It's uh, it says star, star, bold, star, star on it. All right. And uh nice. It's it's super nerdy, great for uh for meeting new people with common interests or uh or or someone you want to really explain a lot to. <laughs> yeah, if not? you really enjoy explaining things. Yeah. Um it's it's a it's a litmus test. You can find out who's going to be your friend yeah, with you this go. shirt. Be a good good shirt to wear at WWDC. <laughs> and a horrible shirt to wear at uh Coachella, but Yeah. I think if I went to WWDC, though, I'd have to give, you know, John Gruber a dollar every time I saw him. Here you go, John. I I did. I checked licensing. As long as I don't use the word markdown. (laughs) I did check. Well, good. (laughs) I can make vague references to it. Um, So that would be episode 185. Thanks for being here, David. My pleasure. And we'll see everybody in a week. Thanks for listening.